At some point on your journey as a studio owner, you will step into the role of a manager. And when that happens, you may be feeling a sense of excitement for what's possible with another person on your team, or perhaps you might be feeling a teeny tiny bit of apprehension. Hiring, managing, and occasionally firing is part and parcel of business ownership, especially one that is growing and scaling. And there is so much that you can do to make it easy on yourself. Without a doubt, after pricing, managing a team effectively is one of the most discussed topics amongst my studio owners. And I'm excited to be talking all about how you can lead and manage a high-performing team with our guest today, Shelley Warren. Well, hi there. I'm Sarah Glanfield. I'm a business and marketing strategist just for boutique fitness studio owners like you. If you're ready to be inspired and make a bigger impact, you're in the right place. All you need are a few key strategies, the right mindset, and some support along the way. Join me as I share the real life insights that will help you grow a sustainable and profitable studio. This is the Pilates Business Podcast. Welcome back to the Pilates Business Podcast. I'm Saran. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I'm really excited for this conversation because we can't really talk about being business owners if we're not also talking about being leaders. Now, you are already leaders in your clients' eyes, but you might be wondering how you can become an inspiring leader for your team of teachers also. Lucky for you, we've got a wonderful expert here with us today. Shelley Warren is a team and leadership coach and the host of the Stacking Your Team podcast, a fantastic podcast. Um, I really recommend it. It's actually the sister podcast to the, um, the award-winning Biz Chicks podcast. And she's had 26 years of experience in leading teams at Procter & Gamble before uh, she changed gears into helping um, small business owners to hire um, to inspire and to fire occasionally an incredible team of high performers. So welcome, Shelley. Thank you so much for coming here and joining us today. I'm, I'm thrilled you're here. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be here to be able to connect with your listeners and those people out there that really have creative fitness as part of their lifestyle. And therefore, they're wanting to share all that goodness um, with their clientele. So happy to be here for you. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, um, you know, a, a lot of the listeners are, um, are um, aspiring studio owners or studio owners. Um, some have a very small team. Some have a larger team. Um, and I think that it, um, it's kind of universal that, um, you know, one of the, it, it, the topic that, that come, two topics come up most often when I speak to my studio owners. One of them is pricing and the other one is, is people and people management um, and is in so many different ways. So tell us a little bit about the, the work that you do and how you um, help small business owners in, in sort of transitioning from perhaps being the, the doer to being that leader and manager in the business. Sure. So throughout those 26 years at Procter & Gamble, I definitely learned a ton. I scraped my knees, I wrapped my knuckles, and and I fell down seven times and got up eight times, right? So it's really about all those years leading big teams with big projects, big outcomes, big expectations, and then learning how to be that, what I like to call situational leader. So really understanding how to lead a new hire versus how to lead a seasoned, highly reputable leader 
because on those diverse teams, you had a mix of very diverse people with a wide variety of experiences. So when I left the corporate world and shifted over into owning my own business and then closed my business and started working with BizChicks, it really was all about how do I help that service-based business owner who does have a team of five or more, who's really wanting to shift from even thinking about herself, shifting from being very comfortable at identifying as a business owner, but knowing and then wanting to evolve into a CEO. And for a lot of business owners, that's a big step to take. Calling yourself a business owner is one thing. Calling yourself a CEO conjures up a lot of storytelling that is typically untrue, (laughs) (laughs) but they're stories that you've, you've somehow decided are factual. And so what we want to do as small business owners is we really want to be able to be that leader that can be likable, profitable, um, goal-orientated, very people-orientated, and then wanting to also have that footprint in her local community where she's really building up a reputation for having an impact to her clientele. In the business. So those individuals, what they like to come and join the leadership lab, which is our group coaching program that we have here at BizChicks that I lead. It's also an educational program because it provides training every single month. You're also your team gets trained while you're at it. You don't have to do it. I train your team for you. Um, and then you get all the tools and resources to be able to truly shift from being that practitioner that delivers your services into being the CEO that is more focused on business development and leading your team. Right. And and having a team that you can be really confident that they are going to be able to do the things that you have perhaps done in the past without, Mm -hmm. without, and I think there's a lot wrapped up in that as well, right? That, that. There's a lot wrapped up in that because the, the common story that these CEOs tell themselves, and you know, it's funny because it doesn't even matter if they're, if their business has been open two weeks or if their business has been open two years or 12 years, often they'll tell themselves a story that says, my clients really only want to work with me. So therefore, I need to have a set amount of hours on my calendar where I'm delivering services. And they also tell themselves a story that says, people won't pay our price points if they're not being served by me personally. And and those are two stories that are just simply not true. And in order to shift over into that role of CEO, you have to stop delivering services. Or otherwise, you will just run yourself ragged and then you're going to risk burnout and now you're not serving anyone. Right. And and I mean, I know everyone's listening and who's listening and they're thinking to themselves, yeah, maybe that works for other people, but for me, they really do need me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. you're, what happens if you, if, if you stay in that mindset is you can't, you, there is no growth because you are limiting the size and scope of your business on the number of hours that you can work and deliver that. And you become the bottleneck, right? You absolutely are the bottleneck because when you stay in control, no one grows. So the business is not going to grow. Your team is not going to grow. Your clientele is also not going to go to grow because you're keeping everyone tightly controlled in this little box that's comfortable for you, but it might not be comfortable even for the clients. And I think that's another story that we tell ourselves is that 
clients don't want to be stretched. Clients don't want to be learned from someone different when in all actuality, they do. They love a mix of teacher and guide. Yes, they love you. I mean, let's, you know, no joke about it. You were the beacon of light that drew everyone to come and join you at your studio. And that's a wonderful thing. That's a, you know, that's profitable. You can go to the bank with that for sure. Yes. But how long can you sustain that? Mm-hmm. Because we all know we we run into different seasons of our lives. So whether you're a young mom, whether you've got children that are in elementary school or kids going off to college, or there's an elder care concern, or there's a family member care concern, or you're relocating, you know, your life partner's workspace is changing. We all go through these seasons. So if you're not able to deliver the same amount of billable hours to the client roster that you always have, then you're going to start feeling incredibly guilty. And you're also going to start feeling like you just haven't, you just can't cut it anymore. When in reality, you so can. It's just that you're running out of energy because you're trying to share your energy with everything that's required to run the business. Well, what we really should be doing is having you over doing your most highly valued work. And let's get you over there for longer periods of time. Yes. Oh, this is all really good. I love this. And you're right. You know, there's, I always say to my, um, to my studio owners, you know, there are some things that other people can do in your business. And there are some things that no one else can do in your business. And once you start thinking more like that and thinking about where is your hour of time best spent, that's when you start, perhaps can start to shift into thinking about, okay, where is there opportunity for me to do the things only that I can do? And where can I bring people in to help me do the things that I can train and teach um, other people to do. And that's where you start can start to sort of kickstart some bit, a bit of growth and scale in the business, right? It absolutely happens. And what I like to do with my clients is, I mean, I like to be really realistic with them. And I, we put together a plan that weans them off of all those hours of service delivery. So it's not like an immediate cut of the ties, we, we put together a whole communication plan. You know, how are we going to communicate this with our clientele? How are we going to get the team involved? How are we going to set up our team structure so that of the 75,000 things that you're doing today, they are now shared properly and thoughtfully out amongst the team with the right people that are equipped and ready and have a desire to lead those aspects of the business. And then we really start to slowly take those steps forward where we're moving you more and more and more out of the day-to-day operations and into the thought work, into the planning, into the business development, and into setting up structures and processes within your team and your operations so that other people can be a great extension of you without you personally having to be there. Yeah. Absolutely. So it sounds like a dream come true for many of the <laughs> the listeners I know. Um, so where does it start? How do you start this process? If, you, if you're a studio owner um, and you are teaching and you're running your marketing and you're running your schedules and you're running the payroll and you're running the front desk and you're, you're wearing all the hats, what's, what's sort of the first step um, towards this, a successful sort of transition into that role of CEO? 
Well, what I've found is the easiest way to start is to start letting go of the things you don't like doing anyways. Right. <laughs> yep. Because that Makes feels, it's, it's like a quick, <laughs> it's a very quick win and it feels great. So if you can look at your calendar and look at your, whatever tool you're using to manage your tasks. So what other, whatever software program you're working with, go through and have a look at those tasks and look, pull out the things that you really you're almost even a bit disgruntled about having to do. Like it's really bothersome that you have to do those things. And we're going to put those into a pile. Then we're going to look at the things that you're doing quite frequently. You've probably gotten really good at it, but it doesn't mean that you really should be doing those things. And how I like to differentiate these is I will call those $100 tasks. So it could be like managing your email, managing your calendar, um, replying to requests that come through the your website, um, putting together quotes and proposals for people that want to come in and buy, you know, like team, team classes, all those kind of things. So you put those in a pile. And then you're going to look at the pile of things that you're doing. Sometimes you're probably pretty good at it. Sometimes you drop the ball. It's not really your wheelhouse, but you've been doing it for so long. Those are what we call the five to $1,500 tasks. Let's put those in a pile. And then what's left are those things we like to call the $10,000 tasks. So what are those things that only you can do, like casting your vision, putting together your strategic plan for the year? putting together your succession plan, like knowing what the market demands in terms of your classes, your space, your ca- your schedule, um, the style of, you know, what are, what are clients asking for next in the world of wellness, in the world of fitness? And let's put together, what can I do to serve them? That what, can, what could be a service menu that I could put together to, to really, really offer those opportunities for people? So let's get you over there. And all these other piles of tasks, we need to have someone take those over. And you can do that by, there's a couple of ways you can do that. You can hire people on a part-time basis or contract that out, outsource those out to be able to take those over. Or if you have someone on your team who is maybe an instructor or maybe already has some sort of admin role, is there an opportunity to match those tasks to that person? So could we extend their hours by teaching them how to take over these tasks for you? And therefore, you know, it's always easier to promote someone from within and redeploy the work to someone that's already here versus going out and kickstarting a hiring project. So if there's opportunities to marry the work to someone who's already on your team, let's look at doing those, even if you do it on a trial basis. Even if you were to say the individual, how about we try this for a month and see how it goes? Or how about we try it for 90 days and see if it, if it's a win-win for the both of us. And then we can go from there. Yeah. So in my mind, the, the opportunity to sort of develop a team in that way really comes, well, begins, I should say, before you even have that conversation. Um, Knowing what, role you're hiring into, knowing the the responsibilities or the tasks that that sit with that role um, can make all the difference with with that person being successful, whether they are hired externally or whether you have someone internally that you can you can delegate to. Um, and and so how you know, I'm, I'm sure this comes up with a lot of the people that you work with, how do you manage that um, 
suggestion, with, but, but with being as, I mean, you know, clarity is so important around expectations. And I think that's where a lot of uh, the kind of angst comes from when it comes to managing others and, and, and leading others is, is, is this sort of, perhaps there is a, people are on different pages or there's a lack of communication about the expectations. Um, how do you kind of set of set those people up inside of your business or the people you're hiring, set them up for success? What's the process that you kind of recommend, uh, small business owners follow? Well, there's a couple of things that I recommend. First of all, as the CEO of your studio, you really need to have two different org charts. So two different pictures, even if it's, you know, a drawing on the back of a napkin, but you need to have a vision, an actual picture in your mind of what is your current team structure right now, and then highlight all the gaps that you, you're already feeling the pain because you don't have someone on, you don't have someone to teach this. I don't have someone to run the classes on Thursday mornings. I don't have someone to work with, um, Seniors, you know, like whatever your gaps are, let's map those out on that org chart and then create an org chart of the future where those roles are mapped out. They might not have anyone's name in them right now, but at least there's a placeholder for that. And now you can see here's where I am. Here's where I want to go. What are going to be the priority roles that I want to fill first that I know that if I fill these first, it's going to get me closer to that future state on that org chart. And then what we want to do is start building in drum beats. And I am all about the drum beats because drum beats, I learned this back in my corporate days, and it really does make things very predictable and incredibly stable. And everyone knows what's to be expected. So things that you can put on a drum beat are things like your team meetings, things like when are you going to provide formal feedback? to people in terms of their performance. When are we going to kick off summer camps? When are we going to host our annual client appreciation holiday extravaganza? You know, like all these things that happen in your business, they all happen, but isn't it better? And doesn't it feel more at ease to have all these things mapped out on a calendar that's very visible, that your whole team gets to see and therefore, you're being incredibly proactive versus always trying to react to all these activities that have to happen in the business. And inevitably, something falls through the crack. And it could be your snow removal contract. And all of a sudden, it's like January 3rd, and there's a huge snowstorm. And you're pulling up into your studio and you're going, oh, my gosh, no one's plowed. No one's plowed us out, right? So it's all those things. If we put them on a drumbeat calendar, we can stay ahead of it. We can stay ahead by the month and by the quarter. And we can delegate to other people to lead those activities and close the loop and execute those tasks, right? Those people that are going to take over the $500 task, the $1,000 task. That's where you can correlate those tasks to what's ever on your drumbeat calendar. Right. That's super helpful think about in terms of how to, because, you know, knowing what to delegate to, and is, you know, because, you know, I think the, the thing that the, the thought that happens for a lot of folks who are in that role where they're doing a lot of things, they want to delegate, they want to hire, they want to, they know they need to is, but it's just going to be quicker if I do it myself. Mm-hmm. Right. That's- and, and, you know, it, it, yes, if you're only going to do it once, 
But the reality is when you're doing it often and you're, you're doing more then at some point there's a, you know, you get, you're going to, there's going to be a breaking point, you know? So, um, what, when you start to think about, and you're starting to think about how to del, you know, what tasks you want to delegate, you're going to look at the drumbeat. You're going to look at perhaps the calendar. You're going to look at your tasks that are repetitive, say, um, however you want to sort of say it. And then, and then you, you're going to think about how the person who you want to, uh, perhaps delegate those things to, um, how do you, how do you then manage sort of the training for that, or how do you sort of measure whether or not they've been successful? Cause there's, there's the kind of the, the pre kind of higher part of it. And then there's the post higher part of it. And I think people tend to do really, they kind of understand, like most people know you, you need to have an interview. You've got to have like an application. You need to kind of have a bit of a task or role, uh, uh, description. Um, but that, that on the other side of the higher, when you formally suggest, okay, here you go. Um, you are the one who's going to take care of the snow plowing, um, situation. You're the one who's going to perhaps reach out to, um, all new clients and welcome them into the studio. Um, you're the one who's going to take care of finding substitute teachers for the classes, you know, or whatever the task might be. How do you, th- what's the next step? And this is where I think there's always a lot of, um, a misconception that like you've told them what to do. You told them what, what the job is. You told them how you're going to pay them. And then, then what? (laughs) It's so true. This is where people get stuck. Not only does the CEO get stuck, but so does her whole team as individuals, they get stuck. So one of my most favorite tools that I learned in corporate, this is, this tool has been around for decades, but part of what I love to do at BizChicks is I like to take what I've learned in the corporate world and strip it down into something that's more easily adopted by a small business owner. Like we don't need all the red tape, right? Because as a small business owner, you don't have an HR department. You don't have a training department. You don't have a facilities department, right? That's managing all these things for you. So I like to take this big tool and literally strip it down into something that's more malleable for that small business owner. And so what I'd love to share with our clients are five-hour work plans. And it's just exactly what it is. There's five R's. It's the role It's the requirements, the results, what are the renewal dates? And it's the whole list of here's your role. Here's what I need you to do. And let me describe to you how you'll know that you're doing a great job. So it's written in such a way that says, you know, let's say you were an admin and part of your role was to lead client intake. So and that incorporated everything from the meet and greet in the studio face-to-face, to the newsletters that go out, to the initial contact where you're gathering all this person's information, their credit card information, you're building out their profile within your database. So all of those like client care, client journey, client experience um, ownership areas, that's what's laid out for you on your 5R work plan. And it's very it's written in such a way that's meaningful to the team member, not to you, right? So we want to use words that say, we have a 95% renewal rate on seasonal classes. And then we bring that down further. We're like, why would there be a 95% renewal rate? It's because clients felt cared for. Clients felt that they were special. Clients loved seeing their results on a leaderboard 
in the hall, like all the, whatever the things that you do within your Pilates uh, studio or whatever kind of studio you have. So it's really about how do we teach this team member to understand what they do every day, how that rolls up and into the strategic plan for the business, right? So she knows as an admin person that by hitting that target of a 95% renewal rate on seasonal classes, that's ensuring stability for revenue. It's keeping the doors open. It's keeping our facilitators and teachers on staff getting trained. It's keeping our brand out there amongst the, the local community. And it's providing us an opportunity to showcase who our clients are. And we can even, it affords us to be able to do some give back projects where we could choose one philanthropic cause a year to really, really showcase for the year. So I think sometimes too many people come into a small business and they, they just think of them, well, I'm just the receptionist here. And that's the story they tell themselves. Well, I'm just the receptionist here. No, no, you are so much more than the receptionist because you're doing client care, you're building relationships. You're also doing sales. You might not know you're doing sales, but you really are doing sales. And then the other thing that that receptionist is doing is building these wonderful service-based relationships with the teacher roster. Like all of your teachers now, because she's building a relationship with them because she's checking their schedules, you know, someone's sick. Oh, let me get a replacement for you. Like all those taking care of type tasks. She's so much more than a receptionist, but it takes us as leaders to point that out to them and show them how what they do really is making a big impact on the business, the team and the clients. Yeah. Yeah. So when it comes to, you know, so, so if you are, if you have the team of teachers and you have a front desk team, how, you know, what does it, what do you see that works best from a sort of ongoing training and team, um, team building? Um, what, 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 you know, and if you're in a smaller business where kind of, where you, you know, you, everybody kind of knows everybody, but you don't maybe see each other because you might not all work at the same time. It's often the case in studios where some teachers work some days, other teachers work other days. And so, although you kind of work in the, in the same building, you might not work in the same building at the same time. Um, but we all, we know that from a, from a, um, from a client retention perspective, um, it's important for Every, you know, the whole, the, for there to be sort of a cohesiveness between um, the instructors and, and the front desk and the whole team. And, and, and that's really important for that community feel within the studio. Um, so what's the, you know, you, what, what's the sort of how frequently should, and, and what do sort of the team building or team training meetings look like? Is, is it, should it be building, team building, connection, or is it, is it a combination of training? What's, what do you, what do you kind of recommend and see works best? Well, I'm, when you're telling me that, what I'm hearing are two things. I'm hearing touch points and culture. So touch points are every time you're having an interaction with someone. It could be you both roll up to the studio at the same time. You get off your bicycles, you put your bikes in the rack, and you're locking your bikes and walking into the studio at the same time. That's a touch point moment for you as a leader to have a conversation with that instructor to really continue to solidify the relationship that you have with them. 
Other touch points are on a drumbeat. So your team meetings, your daily huddle, your quarterly leadership team meeting, your all hands meetings that you might have once a month. Those need to happen. They need to be plotted on that drumbeat calendar so that it's never a surprise as to when the next one is. And the invitation is there for everyone to attend, including some expectations. So you might want to set some ex- expectations that says, you know, within a year, um, we, we will provide you grace for if you miss two of them a year, right? But it's really about you need to be able to get to these meetings. And I understand that a lot of your instructors are going to be like, two ships that pass in the night, right? Like you just don't get to see them very often. But what we can do is we can thoughtfully create moments in time so that you can have those touch points with them. So let's get those on a drumbeat for sure. And then other things that you might want to do is have your, ensure that there's a, some sort of expectation that there's a conversation between your front desk staff and your instructors every day. So whether that's a 10-minute touch point, like a daily huddle in the morning, or as you're shifting into evening classes, there needs to be a handoff from your day team to your night team. So, and it could be a 10-minute conversation about, hey, just wanted to let you know, um, there was an accident in the parking lot today. You know, the police officers came, that's all been taken care of. But if you hear anything about it or someone comes and asks you any questions, just have them call me because I was here, I was a witness, blah, blah, blah. Or you may say to them, hey, we've got, um, you know, one of the the washroom facilities is not quite up to par. There's a problem with the plumbing on that last one. There's an out of order sign on it. Like just all those day-to-day operation things. We need to have a, a like almost like you're passing the baton onto the afternoon shift from the day shift, it really does have to happen. I think too many times people think, well, it's pretty obvious. Like if they walk into the washroom, they're going to see that out of order sign on the door. But let's let's have a talk about what, what do we need to make sure you need to know, because you're going to be here in the evening, about client care. And what do you need to know about the staffing for the evening? And what do you need to know for tomorrow? What can I give you as a heads up so that you know when you come back tomorrow, you're well aware of what the situation's going to be like tomorrow. Yeah. It's, 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 it's all communication, isn't it? It is all communication. <laughs> all communication. And there's no tricks. And the other thing you talked about, you know, in terms of like, how do we keep this cohesive? And immediately culture came to mind is how can we make this client journey so easy and delightful for our clients? I mean, one of the ways that, you know, clients love repeatable. They love rinse and repeat too. They love predictability and they love stability. So whether that comes down to the fact that all of your instructors have the same outfit, so they're easily recognizable, like immediately, you know, he's an instructor, she's an instructor. Just having that uniform creates a sense of, oh, there's someone here in charge. There's someone here that's going to take care of me. There's someone here that's going to teach me something. And I'm I'm going to have a really wonderful time doing it. The other thing you can do is set some standards in terms of late arrivals. Like if you're offering a class and the class starts at seven, is the grace period till five after seven? And post five after seven, the door becomes locked so that you're not disrupting your class. It's all of those behaviors And the culture that you're creating, that if everyone upholds, 
all of a sudden you have these standards at your studio and it's those standards that people are willing to pay for and they're delighted to be a part of and also delighted to uphold. And they will hold themselves accountable to those standards. Your clients will, and so will your team. But we need to set those standards. And they also become part of your five-hour work plan. Those are called requirements within your five-hour work plan. So you may have a requirement that says all facilitators need to be on-site um, 20 minutes prior to their class starting. And the first thing they do is they have a quick touch point conversation with the day team. Yeah. 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 You guys can't hear, can't see me, but I'm nodding my head furiously at everything that Shelly's saying. Because <laughs> 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 this is all good stuff. And yeah, these requirements. And again, it, you know, I, I think there's often this disconnect because, you know, when you've been a, a a studio owner and you've worked with clients for so long and you bring other people into your business, you, you don't realize how much you know and you do just very naturally and very perhaps even instinctively um, by the time you bring someone else in. And, you know, one of the things I, I encourage a lot of studio owners to do is to sort of sit down and, and just think about that interaction that they have with their clients. Like, how do they welcome them into the studio? How do they greet them? How do they guide them to their, their into their session? What are the words they're using because oftentimes they, they've developed these habits over time because they work. So they repeat, you know, they're, they're the things they do repeatedly. Um, and when the, you have someone who perhaps is, is not familiar with the style, the way that you want to, to treat your clients and you perhaps d don't know that you're doing them, it, you can't really even communicate it. So you have to almost take that sort of um, put those glasses on and think about, you know, okay, take a step out of your body. What are you doing when you welcome a client in? What are you saying to them? How are you treating them? How are they feeling? How are they reacting? And then almost use that as sort of the, the basis for, okay, here's, here's what I do when I work with clients. This is what I, how I suggest you perhaps um, start off your sessions too, so that we have some of this consistency, so that we have some of these standards. Because again, we, what we know is that when clients are able to work with other teachers it helps to free up your time. And the more consistent, um, more consistency there is between um, their experience within the studio, the more likely they are, more comfortable they will be working with other teachers. Um, and it's so, so true. And often in, in a studio atmosphere, you have part-time instructors yeah. mm -hmm. and you may also have guest instructors that come in and run like a weekend workshop or like a, a special evening workshop. And oftentimes those individuals, they want to serve your clientele well, but they might not ask you, is there anything specific that you'd like me to make, to make sure that I cover today? Or is there a, a unique way that you want me to invite people into the classroom? What are the rules? What are the regulations? All those kind of things, because if they're teaching at more than one studio, they need to know, okay, when I come to your studio, I'm here to serve you and your clientele. So you're well within your right as a studio owner to set those expectations and hold people accountable to them. It doesn't matter if they're a part-time teacher at six different local studios in, in six different realms of fitness. When they're at you, at your studio, under your care and guidance, on your payroll, you are well within your right to be able to set out what those expectations are going to be for them and then hold them accountable to it. That's how you're creating these standards 
for everyone that's there, whether they're a seasonal instructor, whether they're a guest instructor, or whether they're a backfill instructor that's just very casual, like super casual on the schedule. We want to make sure that when they're there, they're all being a great extension of you and the brand. A hundred percent, because it's that experience that helps you to stand out and stand apart from the competition. It helps to build that um, connection between you and the client and to continue with that, you know, to help them to continue to keep coming and make them very, very sticky as clients, which we love from a retention and revenue perspective, right? So it's all really, really important. Fantastic. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining us today, Shelley, and sharing so much of your amazing wisdom. Do you want to just quickly tell us a little bit about where people can find you um, on, on, on the webs, on the interwebs, um, if people have questions and would like to learn more about what you do? I'm happy to have well, your listeners are already podcast fans. We know that. So you're all invited to come and subscribe to the Stacking Your Team podcast, which airs a new episode every Tuesday. And those episodes are designed specifically for small-based um, business owners, right? We're not, we're looking at those small business owners who really are in the service industry. And there's a lot of podcasts out there for the corporate world, but stacking your team is specifically for service-based business owners. So I invite you to follow along there. Um, you can also connect with me on Instagram where I'm at stacking your team podcast. And I'm also over on LinkedIn where I'm at Shelly with an I L for LinkedIn Warren too. So um, you can definitely connect with me over there as well. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I popped all of that in the show notes as well. So you guys can go grab those. This has been fantastic and so insightful. And I really appreciate, uh, like I said, you're coming on and sharing all of this with us. And um, if you haven't listened to Shelly's podcast yet, please do go ahead and do so. So thank you, Shelly. You're very welcome. And you all can move from your daily operations over into being more of a CEO. Um, and you can do it through baby steps. It doesn't have to be done all at once. We'll get you there. I know you can do it. Did you love this episode and want more? Head to spring3.com and check out my free resources that will help you run a profitable and fulfilling studio business. And before you go, one last reminder, there is no one way to do what you do, only your way. So Whatever it is that you want to do, create, or offer, you've got this. Thanks again for joining me today and have a wonderful rest of your day. Mm -hmm.